It's that time again, everyone. <laughs> that know. time. That, Sarah, go ahead. Tell us your secret shame. It's that time. It's that time of year again, everyone. We're recording on Saturday, and I have a book due on Monday. <laughs> so I'm flying by the seat of my pants. But here's what I'll say. It's almost done. Tommy, and go boom. Tommy, go boom. Tommy, go boom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Knockout coming in August. Uh, you could pre-order it now wherever books are sold. But. Here's the other thing you can pre-order. Tickets to Fade It Maids Live. Yes. In New York City. It's a hell of a town. <laughs> yes. And a hell of a lineup. I think we should announce the lineup. I think we should, too. We haven't done that Why yet. not? Should we say welcome to Fade It Maids first? You, did, you just did it. Uh, welcome to Fade It Meets, everyone. I am Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels. And I write them. And this week, it's going to be fun. It's going to be yes. just like a rollicking good time. We're going to talk about books that we absolutely love. Yes. That you all should absolutely read. Uh, but first, Fade It Live. Uh, we've done this once before. We liked it so much. We decided to do it again. Where we bring two to three hundred of you together in a room for a whole lot of banter with people we love. There might be a moment where we talk about a book that we did not intend to talk about. (laughs) Uh, There will be questions. There will be fun times with the audience members. You'll get to meet lots of other Magnificent Firebirds. There will be books for sale. Some of Jen's and my favorites. Um, What other thing? Stickers. Yeah. I mean, there'll be a book table. Listen, I hate to be this way, but I'm very excited about the bar. Great. This is going to be on Friday night, March 24th in Brooklyn at the William Vale Hotel, starting at 7. Sarah and I will be around. Eric. And Eric. You'll see Eric lurking in the corner. Delighted to see you all, but don't approach him. (laughs) (laughs) He has a job to do, everybody. He's going to be very important, <laughs> making sure all the mics work and such. No, he was very... Somebody asked him to sign something at Fade oh, Live Alexandria, and he was like, what? That's cute. We'll make sure he has some Sharpies, like, in his pocket or whatever. <laughs> okay, so that night, though, along with me and Sarah, we hope being the major draw, our guests will be... Oh, so exciting. I, I want to imagine drum Maybe drum there roll. could be a drum roll here. Sure, Eric can no, make I it mean, a drum roll. We could probably work that out. I don't know. It's coming out in three days, so... All right, so it's going to be Adriana Herrera and Joanna Shoup, Tessa Bailey, Andy J. Christopher, and Mila Finelli, our right. favorite mafia romance novelist. Yes. New to Fate of Mates Live, new to Fate of Mates are Tessa Bailey and Mila Finelli. Yes, yes. We've had a Tessa Bailey episode probably, wow, back in season two when it was like our faves, right? The books that blooded us. Uh, because we love Tessa Bailey here at Fate of Mates. But now she's like fancy, Jen. She's famous now. Now she like tours the world. I know. Like if you see her on TikTok, she's always somewhere different. But this time she's going to be in Brooklyn. International. And- she was in Toronto last week. I was like, Toronto looks fancy. Oh, Toronto is the best city. I've never like, been to Toronto, but I would like to go. You know how much we love Toronto and my family. We all we call it clean Chicago. Have you heard this? <laughs> no, but I believe it. Listen, Chicago is not a dirty town. I want to be clear. No, I've seen that bean. It's very clean. 
Toronto is a lovely city. It's beautiful and wonderful and honestly kind of magical. And if I had all the money in the world and Canadian citizenship, I guess, that would be the first place I would move. We love it there. We've always had such a great time. How far there. can you like drive over the border to Toronto? You can, Where you are can you? drive. So it's long, but like, so for us, you kind of, it's a big lake. Well, you kind of duck under Lake Michigan and then you go over Lake Erie from mm. Chicago. But because my mom lives in Cleveland, the one time we drove there, then we drove back and we went th- through Buffalo and like past Niagara Falls, which is Niagara Falls is amazing. It is amazing. If you've right? never been there, you have to go. Well, that last time we did that, that was the year that it was so cold that the fo- there were like frozen falls. Mm. Have you ever seen this? And like, you did it in the winter? Yeah. And so I actually will see if I can pull up these photos and I'll put them in like show notes. It's wild looking, like basically like these huge boulders of ice at the bottom of the falls. Mm-hmm. And then we like went back under Lake Erie and stopped in, Chicago- in Cleveland and saw my mama. So, oh, right. Cause Ohio. Yeah, exactly. Lake Erie. There's so- Listen. For people who don't live in that in that Great Lakes region, there are a lot of them, and they are enormous. And that is what I have to say about the geography of the central the central Midwest. <laughs> Midwest. One. This is like my one of my favorite stories. I don't know if I've ever told this on the pod, which is we had some friends um, of my husband's who he went to college with. They live in L.A. And they came with their kids in the summer. It was a couple, like, years ago, right? Like, Little Romance was probably in middle school at the time. And these kids were around the same age. And, like, it was the first time the kids had ever seen, like, lightning bugs, fireflies, I believe you call them, like, other places. We call them lightning bugs here. And they were like, what is going on with this thing? (laughs) Right? Which was, it is magical. It's so cool. But then what was really interesting is... So then they took a day and they went up to Milwaukee and they like, it was like Summerfest is like a really cool thing that happens in Milwaukee. And then they came back down and we saw them again. And so I said to these kids, I was like, yeah, that was the same lake. And they were like, wait, excuse me? And I was like, so that lake and this one were the, are the same one. And they were like, but excuse me? We were <laughs> hours just, north I of here. I will say this. It doesn't feel like they should be called lakes. Like, <laughs> Because when you fly into Chicago, maybe from like New an York ocean let, and you, yeah, I don't know what you call it because I get it, I get it. Like there is science involved here, and there's no salt water and whatever, fine. But when you fly in from New York and you like are just flying over water and can't see land from the aeroplane, <laughs> right. it feels like there should be a different word for that kind of body of water. I understand. Anyway, anyway. listen, I. I'm a big fan of the Great Lakes. I've never been to Toronto, but if somebody invited me, I would definitely come. And um, Tess Bailey's great, and she's going to be at Fade Mates Live, and you can still get tickets. There are a handful of tickets left. This is the announcement of the lineup. This is the official announcement, so we are announcing it today on Twitter, on Instagram. All of the authors will announce it today. So uh, we expect the last few tickets will go pretty quickly um, now. And uh, if you want to join us, there will be fun prizes, fun people. Yeah. I'm excited. I think we should do a prize for the person who comes the furthest. Mm, okay. All right. We got to think about what that will be. All right. I, I feel like we could come up with something fun. Yeah, for and, sure. And there, so there will be a prize. This is it. There will be a prize if you come a far distance. Uh, and yeah, come meet other Fade Mates listeners. It's going to be a really good time. 
yeah, it will be really fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm just also getting excited about like the rest of my plans for that week. So I'm coming in on Friday and I'm going to spend the whole weekend in Brooklyn. I'm going to spend two nights at that hotel because I love myself and I like staying at fancy hotels. And then I'm going to stay at Sarah's probably for a night. And now here's the part, Sarah, where I like you don't know this, but here we are bantering. Then I have a couple of nights, like Monday and Tuesday, before my mother comes, mm. and we are going to go up to Connecticut to see Little Romance at college because she's never been to Wesleyan. It's so and nice there. It is. And I, so I'm really excited. And Wesleyan shows for grandmas. Yes, exactly. So I'm very excited about that. And then we'll come back down and spend a couple days. But that Monday and Tuesday— Are you going to—you're going to be careful. You're not going to break a bone. I'm going to try to be very careful, yes. I assume okay. with my mother there, I'll probably—I'm not going to try it any shoes. I'm probably going to be doing, like, copy edits or something then, so it'll be harder for me to come running. Yes. What I'm saying. Right, exactly. That's true. Good point. Good point for save the day. Sarah, save the day. <laughs> I am thinking about spending a night or two down in the village because I love, like, right? Ooh, very fun. Like, I was like, oh, I should spend a couple of nights by myself in Manhattan just, like, doing something fun. In, like, a fun neighborhood where you can just, like, walk out and do whatever you want. And then I was like, oh. So I haven't booked a hotel for that yet. But I have a good recommendation for a hotel down there. Don't ask me to say it now on the on the air because I don't have the name of it in my head. But a friend <laughs> okay. of mine, I don't stay in hotels in Manhattan very often. Sure. Um, Why would a you? A friend of mine recently stayed in a hotel in Soho. So not yeah. exactly the village, but close. Close. And uh, she had a lot of nice things to say about it. All right. Well, good. You I'll get that find that out for me and find out. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think I've mentioned this. The other thing, maybe I'm hoping you can find a way to come with me to this, is I am very excited to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Listen, one of my favorite places. I don't think I've ever been there. They have a very big exhibit about the Mayans. That closes, that closes like that following weekend. And Let's so, do it. I'm excited. See? We're going have a good time. The thing about the Met that I have always had a problem with, and, and you know, let us know on the internet, everyone, if you too have this problem at the Met, is that I routinely get lost inside the Met and then end up in American furniture. <laughs> Which is always a worry. Like, I get to American furniture yeah. and I think, oh, no, I've. I've done it again. <laughs> Here I am again. Because right, well, here's the thing. I have apologies to any American furniturists out there, but, like, I have no interest in American furniture, so. Weird it, that you always end up there. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I get, uh, maybe that's the moment where I realize I'm lost because I'm suddenly like, oh, I. I, I don't, yeah. Now I've, I'm not that interested in this Eames chair. <laughs> I sometimes, it's not that I get lost at the Art Institute, but I for sure there are things like famous paintings at the Art Institute that it took me years before I actually stumbled across their actual location. Uh -huh. So in like one room of the Art Institute, at least when I saw it, because um, I feel like they move shit around just to fuck with you. Um, the Art Institute, I love you. Um, one was uh, American Gothic. Uh -huh. And then also um, Nighthawks. And I, f I feel like they're kind of in the same area along uh -huh. with some really great... Um, God, what's that guy's so, name? Well, they should be in the same area. That, yeah, those right. go together. Sure. I feel. And then like Bronzeville at night, which is also a famous Chicago a painting about Chicago, about the South Side. And I was like, oh, these are real things here. <laughs> Isn't that bananas when you like turn a corner in a museum and you see yes. like at the Met there is a giant room of like Degas, yeah, all the ballerinas, and you turn a corner and you're like, holy shit! <laughs> what you can just see these. 
Museum, listen, museums are great. <laughs> Thank goodness, because God, if somebody had the idea of a museum now, they'd be like, no, rich people should just own this shit. I mean, that is kind of what's happening. There's some real capitalist nonsense happening. Do you know, listen, we're going to talk about this because I was reading this article about investments in a bad economy. Uh, Whatever, who cares? And the, one of this like new things is you can basically like invest in art. And so you invest in like a Warhol painting or a, wall, okay. a Warhol, like whatever they are. They're, I don't, they're not all. An like, actual whatever. Warhol? Not like yeah, an like NFT? Yeah, a real Warhol, right? But like you and I can't afford to buy a Warhol, but we can afford to put, you know, $25 into a fund that then buys a Warhol holds it in private for five years and then sells it huh, for an increase. I think capitalism is really broken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't want to hold the war the warhol in a in a if vault you would somewhere. Me, I want you to put that in a yes. museum. Yes. If you were like, we're gonna buy this shit together so people could see it, I'd be like, I love that idea. But as soon as it no, was like the goal nah, is yeah. to then sell it in five years, make because art, I guess, appreciates more than anything else in the whole world. Sell it in five years to a private collector for more. That's terrible. I don't like it. Thanks, everyone. I hate it. Anyway, Me too. leaving that aside, um, you know where we should go? Where? The Museum of Sex. It is so fun. Be right back. Booking tickets right now. Listen, it's so fun. <laughs> they have a standing club. If you're at all, if this, if that intrigued you at all, and you are ever in New York City, there is a museum. It is called the Museum of Sex. It has an incredible collection that is. It's small. You can do it within an hour or two. It's. I mean, I mean, of course, it's small. It's the Museum of Sex. It's in Manhattan. It's in the twenties. Okay. And um. And what's really fascinating about it, so the first time I ever went, Eric and I went, and so there's a standing collection that's, like, about New York City and sex, which is, you know, New York City and sex go together in a lot of ways. Like, many cities and sex go together. Anywhere there are people, really. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's exhibitions on, on pornography. They did a giant, like, right before the pandemic, they did a big exhibition about, like, the AIDS epidemic in New York City and how it was. Okay. Like how things were messaged and, you know, the the way like underground communities got together and like started talking about these kinds of things. Um, when I, the first time I went, they had a, an exhibition, a, a, a special exhibition that was uh, Victorian, well, I guess Gilded Age, information about like the Victorian sex and Gilded Age sex. And one of the things that they had was somebody had been renovating a home in New York City and had taken down a wall, like, you know, to fix something. And inside there were a thousand postcards, like graphic, pornographic postcards from the, like, late 1800s. Whoa. That's so cool. they didn't know what to do with them, but the Museum of Sex had just opened. And so they donated them to there. And so there was, like, this huge wall, and it was just, like— all these like postcards and it was it's just such a cool experience especially for somebody who is you know interested in the history of all of this stuff to walk into a museum and have it be treated yeah with respect right right it's not for snickering it's not like 
you know, and there there's like collections of like sex toys, the history sex toys. That's like, so cool. We've and so the I don't know what the standing exhibition it looks like now because I haven't been since before the pandemic. I've been a few times now, and then there are always like special. Sometimes there's arts. Sometimes you know they have everything. Lots of different kinds of smaller exhibitions that rotate. So we should go there. We should. I 100% it's going to happen. Let's figure out when. All right. That's the banter part of the show. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Carly Lane, author of A Regency Guide to Modern Life. We are huge fans of Carly's here on Faded Mates. She is a writer for Collider, where she mostly writes about TV, but also writes about romance and vulture and paste, and is just a huge fan of the romance genre. Also famously, the one who coined the phrase we use here all the time on Faded Mates, yikes on bikes. Terrific. <laughs> a, a real gift to me, that phrase. <laughs> yes. And to all of romance. It's such a good example of why you're going to want this book. Exactly. So what this is, is a really charming like a self-help guide, but she's imagining that the person giving you advice is instead a Regency gossip columnist named Lady A. Who has, like, time-traveled yes. into modern dating life and is just fascinated by all the weird stuff we do. <laughs> well, you know, fair enough. We're fascinated by all the weird stuff they do. So it is really cute. I think it really leans into, like, thinking about all of the things that we love about romance, all of the... You know, the uh, Austin, Bridgerton, Darcy, Regency stuff. What should you be dueling or not, right? How do we, um, you know, how do you make yourself the catch of the season or a diamond of the first water? Lady A is here to help you. So this is just a really charming book that kind of marries together all of our favorite things we love about the Regency and imagining that the shoe is on the other foot and they're looking at our dating and, uh, you know, our season and giving us some advice about how to do it better. You can find a Regency Guide to Modern Life in print, in ebook, or in audiobook. And this actually does sound like it would be a really fun audiobook. Anywhere you get your books, or you can find Carly. And we highly recommend following Carly on Twitter and Instagram so you can get more of her hilarious takes on pop culture and her brilliant takes on pop culture. Uh, you can find her at Carly Lane on Twitter or on Instagram at Carly Lane Perry. And thanks to Carly Lane for sponsoring the episode. All right, so tell everyone what they've won. <laughs> All right, so here's our thought. Here's our plan, everybody. We, I don't remember where this idea came from, Sarah, but I think it was a question maybe someone asked us or we saw it on Twitter or yeah, we Instagram. Have a big, you guys, we have a, a big um, notes app that is shared yeah. between the three of us. And it has all sorts of things, including all the colors of Cressley Cole heroes and heroines <laughs> in it. Sure. They're eye colors, everybody. Oh, right, the I'm all eye like, Because they're all white, pretty much. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> yes. In this note, it also has the eye colors of all of the... Crossly Cole Heroes and Heroine. And anytime someone gives us an idea, right? We, just we put kind it in of there. Yeah. Add it to the list. And so we were looking at the list and the idea was books you wish you could read again for the first time. And I was Which like, is that's a great idea. It is a great idea. And I think it really gets at the heart of there's something about the way we read romance. And I think it's I I mean, I don't know. I I'm a big rereader, but I think romance in general. Romance readers tend to really, like, just connect with characters okay. in a way that is unparalleled, I think, yes. across 
literature. And so I think what this question is really getting at is like, what is it, like, what is it that you, when do you make those connections, right? Right. And I think also it's about, we talk all the time about how romance is really special because it is the genre of, like, feelings. Yes. And I think, but it's also a genre where we are able as readers to give our trust over to a writer and say, I trust you to take me on this journey and make me feel all the feelings. And at the end, it will be okay. So I think we are, when we read romance novels, we are more open in many ways to all of those things, you know, bouncing around inside us. So when we feel these intense feelings as we're reading, yes, there is such joy in that because it is devoid of fear. I don't feel threatened in any way by being open to these books. Right. I don't fear being being harmed. Right. Because the promise of the HEA means that anything that's happening before the ending, I know will there'll be restitution for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it, too. I think that this question is also really getting at the heart of, like, what feeling are you chasing? Uh-huh. Right. Because what the questions really I think to me and it was funny because I was thinking about like, I didn't. I don't think we prepped this. We're just gonna like let it roll, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I did think to myself, well, there's two kinds of books, two situations, I guess, under which I have that feeling of like I wish I could read it again for the first time. And one is when it's a book that I am anticipating, like a matchup, right? Like I know that these characters are coming because they've been teased for several books, right? Like sort of the the like, right? Like that couple in the background that's been kind of coalescing is about to Uh come for example like tommy and imogen i'm just saying (laughs) perhaps maybe (laughs) or okay so that's what right like i'm looking forward to it that's a that's a scary one right because you're anticipating it and then if it doesn't deliver you're like oh that's a bummer but when it does you're sure and look uh, we're not going to talk about those books but there definitely have books where i've anticipated that and it has not happened um, but the other one, I think, is like the unexpected one, where you just start reading a random romance novel for whatever reason, yes. and then you're like, oh, shit, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Right? I'm feeling, like, I'm the, feeling it. God, that, that feeling. Yes. I mean, that that tightening in your yes. chest where and you're like, then, this is giving me all of the yeah. feeling. And I know and I then you're like, feeling, but like. Oh, I gosh, you all what know what about. that feels like when you're, oh, it's just that aching chest yes. feeling. Yeah. Well, and then I think the question is, is like, then you're like, I'm in slowdown mode, right? Yeah, you because put the book down, but then I don't want have, it to come yeah. to an end, right? Hey, you know what's amazing? I think I'm in the middle of one of those books right now. Really? Is it out yeah. or are you reading it? No, not yet. Not yet. But literally, it's the first book I've read this year where I'm like, wait, are you going to tell us? Sure. I'm happy to tell you. It doesn't come out until early May. Um, It's by, oh, is that where we're going to start? We're going to start with this, like, me teasing a book that isn't out yet? Well, I know. I just want you to tell. No, we don't have to talk too much about it. No, no, no. I I do. Because I, 
it's like I the I'm not surprised because I really like this author. The author's Farrah Heron. She writes oh books set in Toronto largely. Mm-hmm. And the name of this book is Jana Goes Wild. Now, part of the reason it's really funny is because everybody know who knows me knows that I'm like, why are there animals on the covers of these books? What's going on? I don't want your dogs on the cover of the book. But in this case, Jana is going on a safari in Tanzania with her family. Uh-huh. It's where her family is from. They are um, Canadian Muslims in Toronto, right? Like, sort of South Asian. Like, it's a very eclectically, uh-huh. like, kind of diverse group of people in every way. And they're and she's going for the wedding of of Kamala and Rohan, who were the uh, hero and heroine of her previous book, right? Kamala knows uh-huh. best. But anyway, listen to this setup. The setup of the book is. In the epilogue, or in the prologue, sorry, she is having, a, like, in the middle of this, like, affair with this man. And it is just, like, this whirlwind two weeks where they are just having great sex and great conversations. And, great, like, they are just, like, you, she's like, I think I've met my soulmate. And she finds out at the end of the prologue that he is married. Yeah. And the book picks up five years later. She, they are co-parenting. She got pregnant during this two weeks. And they're going to this wedding. And Who is and he, he married to? Okay, everybody listen. It's fine. He, like, it's not really, she, like, just, it's fine. <laughs> he was, like, trying to serve his ex-wife, trying to serve her divorce papers. He literally couldn't find her, right? Ah. Uh. But, right, so it's kind of, it's it's not really like he was cheating. But it felt that way to Jana, like, rightfully so. And she is pregnant, and he actually moves to Toronto because he's so committed to co-parenting. But basically, for four years, like, everything they do is through lawyers and through this app. But he's also friends with the bride and groom, so he shows up at the wedding. And I, I just don't really think anyone does, like, a... One of the things I used to love about old school romance, like the family drama. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. th- I I think Farah really nails the like, I want to please my parents. And her mother doesn't really quite approve and is kind of uh-huh. lying to everybody and saying that they used to be married and divorced because she was so embarrassed that her daughter had a baby out of wedlock. I mean, in their culture, like that's a big deal. And, and I mean, I, Jana is just so like so prickly and closed off and i think anil has like literally been in love with her for five fucking years and regretting what a total fuck up he is and i think he wants her back but it's so beautiful and i'm just really enjoying this book and i feel like i'm okay with all these animals on the cover because they're literally on safari that's it okay Cool. But I, I just, I can't even tell All you. Right, like, everybody sh- pre-order yeah. that. It sounds great. Pre-order it. Oh, God. I mean, she listen, if you don't want to wait to pre-order, just go read the backlist, right? And then you'll be ready. Because Jana is a character, a secondary character in Kamala Knows Best. So, anyway, I, you guys listen, I'm reading it. And I just, like, last night, I was like, I'm going to stop here so that I will have more to read nice. tomorrow. The best feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that feeling when you're, like, doing something else. You're in your kitchen or whatever, making food, or, you know, you're on the subway going to work, and in your head, you're, like, thinking oh, about that, them. that, 
you know, and I, and for me, the test is whether I think about it as a book or like people I know. People. Like, like seriously, I'm like I hearing that story and then it's like, oh, it's a book. That was a book. <laughs> yeah, completely. I, you know what else I was thinking about? And there's part of the reason I was thinking about this is um, one of the things I also really appreciate in a book is, I mean, look, when someone like surprises me, right? Like uh-huh. when I'm like, I think I know the way this is going to go. And then I'm literally surprised. Like, that's a book well, I wish yeah. I could go back and read so again, too, because I want to see that, right? That's where I was going Okay, with them, largely. Not entirely, but yeah. for me, it's that moment. It's the moment where you sort of gasp. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I did an event earlier this week with Adriana and uh, Adriana Herrera and Essie Soga, who is an editor at Berkeley, and... Uh, it was moderated by Aaron Leaf, our friend from Learning the Tropes. And what Aaron's first question was, the, the panel is about heroines, right? And uh, one of Aaron's, Aaron's first question was like, can you talk to us about like, who are the primordial romance heroines and why is it Jessica Trent? <laughs> that was her first question. Yes. And what's fascinating is she, you know, when she asked the question, who are the primordial romance heroines? And instantly I was like, Jessica Trent. Jessica Trent. And then she said, and why is it Jessica Trent? And all three of us were like, Oh, yeah, it's Jessica Trent. And um, we got to, you know, we talked about Lord of Scoundrels on this panel at, like, you know, in 2023, which is rare. Yeah. But we did. But fun. And yeah. Lord of Scoundrels is a perfect example of a book that I wish I could read again for the first time because I can remember where I was. Yeah. At the midpoint of that book when, spoiler yeah. alert, everyone, Jessica pulls the trigger. Oh, God. And... She goes home. There's she nothing like it. On. She puts on her dress and she goes and she pull. She like and she's just had enough with this man. And I, you know, some people remember where they were when Kennedy was shot. You know, <laughs> I remember where I was when Jessica Trent pulled the trigger. Yeah, I remember. I'm not kidding when I say I can see the apartment around me. I was in an old. I I know exactly which apartment I was in. I was lying on my couch and I sat straight up. <laughs> on the couch. And I thought, yeah, she couldn't have possibly just done that. Yeah. And this moment of like, I've never seen it done. I've never felt so great about like a choice in <laughs> right. the sense of like, I never, I didn't expect it. I've never yes. seen it done. And then it happens. And it's so completely perfect in terms of the choice that I wish I could go back and read that book again not knowing. Yeah. Well, listen, I understand and, like, that books with twists are like that and romance yes. especially. Yes. It is really hard yeah. to find romance that like really does a twist. Yeah. Because that's not the job, really. Right. Right, exactly. So to have it happen especially so brilliantly. You know, again, listen, Twitter's terrible and everyone should delete their Twitter. I understand that. But I really wish that Adriana had taken screenshots. Maybe they exist somewhere oh. when she was reading oh my God. Lord of Scandal for, for the, the first, first time. time. And it was like the part where she was like, Jessica has dated her hand. She's whispers. I own you now. <laughs> right? Like, And that was like the joy of watching her read it Just for the first time. Stunning. Oh, yeah. Stunning. God. Whenever anybody goes to 
Florida Scoundrels for the first time, I'm just like, oh my God, please text me. Text me every yeah, second. Just text me. Yeah, exactly. Because I just, and you know what it is? Because it's a drug too, yes. right? And that's what we are We are always chasing as romance romance readers is like this idea that like, oh, get that feeling once more. Uh-huh. And yeah. yeah. I mean, and oh, and God. so on my list, there are a number of like really classic romances. And I think part of the reason why there are so many classic romances is because they deliver that yes. sort of, I've never seen it done before. Right. Because nobody had ever seen it done before. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I wrote a big twist, and I hear often, like, I wish I could do that book again. The thing that was amazing about the big twist in that book is that my immediate urge was to go back go back three books and start yeah, again and there's, see. It's, it's in my sure. series. Yeah. Like, did I miss something or did it? And you did not. I mean, you did. Once you go back and reread it, then you're like, oh, obviously. Right. But, I mean, and that's the thing is, like, you can only, as a writer, you can only deliver that to a reader one time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other book that I have on my list that I, uh, that give that gave me that exact feeling was Diana Quincy's The Duke Who Ravished Me, um, which has, like, a really delightful, like, twisty-turning plot, and I just didn't see it coming. And, um... And that is a governess duke story. Um, a, a, like, he's like a reprobate duke who, I've talked about this book on the podcast before. He he uh, basically lives in, like, this big old country house that he has turned into essentially, like, a sex, like, an orgy house. <laughs> where, like, his friends just come and, like, um, you know, sex workers come and they just have, like, great long, like, bacchanals yeah. on the weekend. and um, one morning, he's literally in his, like, sex room, and the doorbell rings. I mean, there's no doorbell, <laughs> but, like, somebody sure. turns up, Not and his, his his uh, butler arrives and is like, Sir, there's a, there are eight-year-old twins on the doorstep with their governess. And um, it's a delight. It's one of the few books where there are children in the books, and they're welcome additions to the book. Yeah. And, you know, the governess and the duke. He has inherited these two wards. And they're very, very, you know, staunch, you yeah. know, stiff governess. So <laughs> somebody actually insta- on Instagram messaged us this week and said, is there grumpy sunshine where they are reversed? Which, you know, I know this reverse thing is is tricky, but we all know what that means in the sense that it is rare to find a heroine who is grumpy and a hero who is sunshine Right. And I think this book, The Duke Who Ravished Me, might be close mm, to that. Okay. Um, he's not really sunshine. He's more just like a ne'er-do-well. It's like grumpy scoundrel. There you go. That sounds nice, actually. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Danny Collins, author of The Prospector's Only Prospect. Oh, my gosh. Jen, you know what is a big bummer? When you mail order a bride, <laughs> yes, keep going, and she turns up, <laughs> and she is not the rough and tumble sure. woman that you need to work your gold prospecting land, take care of your kids, and run from bears. <laughs> what a struggle. Anyway, Marigold Davis, our heroine, 
she regrets her decision almost immediately. Listen, mistakes are made <laughs> very quickly for poor Marigold. She's a divorcee, and she needs a new husband, and she takes, she decides she's going to answer an ad for a mail-order bride. She does not realize after eight days in a stagecoach that she is going to turn up in Colorado, the Colorado Territories, with all of the bits and pieces, the sure. Deadwood style life <laughs> Whatever that is awaiting her out there. There's probably not a bath for miles. No. Oh, but I bet you Virgil Gardner gets her a bathtub. Of course. He figures out a way for her to wash her gorgeous locks. (laughs) He has a reputation as a grumpy hard ass, though, Sarah. So what's going to happen with these two? Yeah, but because that's the best kind. He's definitely going to figure out how to get this lady a bath. Of course. Anyway, he is very upset because she is not as advertised. Um, She is way too pretty. And way too gentle. Way too very soft. Con- yeah, for he's Colorado concerned. Like, this is just another person he's going to have to take care of when she gets chased by a bear or, like, falls in a pit. Whatever the things are that happen to you. Listen, I'm for it. This feels super like the American mail-order bride romances of old. And uh, Publishers Weekly gave this a star review. They say it, that she balances sensuality and danger in the perfect romance. And I'm for it. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. So you can find The Prospector's Only Prospect, which Danny herself describes as grumpy hero with a trying to be a sunshine heroine. But gosh, her life has been awful lately. This sounds like a book for all of us. It is available in print, ebook, and audio wherever you shop for books. Thanks to Danny for sponsoring this week's episode of Faded Mates. The other thing I've been thinking about is, like, the books where I just really love the character so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I I mean, obviously, the thing that's hard about an episode like this is, like, we're going to be talking about books we've talked about before. Because I yeah. think that this is— you, These are the books you love the most. Yeah, right. Well, and it turns into also, like, the, these are books, the way this, like, manifests itself for me. And I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Like, I mean, we must have. I'm—do you reread? Are you a rereader? Some. Some. I don't reread as much as you do. I have, like, six books that I reread. Okay. I'm, like, a scene rereader, right, uh-huh. where I will, like, reread, like, the, the like, part of that. And when I think about the books that I have, like, reread or, like, the books I've reread in totality, it doesn't really happen as often. One of the few is, um, and I think it's because it depends, like, where you, listen, I don't know what this says about me. I think I do know what it says about me. I often start my rereads at the point of, like, highest angst. And usually that's, like, later in the book, right? So I think that's why I don't reread uh-huh. them. Like, I just need the pure shot of serotonin when, like, Scotty thinks that, you know, Sophie's going to and- take off and manage. Sure. What's the what's our favorite Naima Simone scoring? Scoring off the field. That's on my list, too. The moment of highest angst is at the beginning when she yeah. says, I'm leaving. I'm quitting. And she just tears his world apart. I, and that, so that's like one of the few books I reread in its entirety because I'm starting from, like, mm-hmm. you're starting at the fucking top of a mountain, right? Uh-huh. And then it's just all downhill. And I, like, I think about that book a lot. Like, that's a book where it's like you mentioned it to me and I'm like Pavlov's romance reader. I have to go reread it. Oh, it's so good. It's so it, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that was on my list too, Naima. The, you know, to the same extent, 
so I I was thinking there are the favorites, right? The, the favorite authors, mm-hmm. right? And um, so obviously, I just want to say I wish I could read the entirety of Immortals After Dark again for the first time. Oh, I mean, like reading it the third or fourth time with you for the first season yeah. of this podcast gave me such immense joy. Yeah. And like just thinking about how much that series has given me joy over the years, like yes. I and I do. I mean, like I reread Rune, right, five or six times a year, right. And it's a sweet Rune is my favorite of the series, and I just adore it. And then I always immediately read Wicked Abyss after. I'm like one of the few Cressley fans who's like the last two are my yeah are your favorites. They're the ones for me. Um. Every, a lot of people are like, oh, the Moriore. I'm like, no, bring me more of these, like, <laughs> You're you like, know. no, it, it's it's Rune and, and yeah. Cian. I mean, but I know a lot of people feel that way about Lothair. Like, yeah. you know, there's just something about, there's just a, there's a chemical in those books that oh, God, yes. is a delight. Um, and I wish, I mean, what's amazing about those is even on the reread, they deliver. Yeah. So. Well, and that's like the joy of finding a series, like, I remember the first time I was reading it, I had somehow gotten a couple of them, like, off of um, maybe, like, book outlet, Uh. right? And they were sort of just, like, waiting for me. And I was, like, pacing myself to not, like, tear through them all. And, like, that's the best feeling, right? I mean, I think this is sort of the corollary of, in some ways, like, like the books you have in the vault, right? But, I mean— I I just remember being like, oh man, yeah. So, um, so you know, yeah. obviously, Cressley's on that list. Yes. But for me, yes. you know, I was thinking about Lisa Kleypas, and we obviously love Derek Craven and like talk about Derek yes. Craven all the time. But for me, the Kleypas book that I wish I could read again for the first time is Devil in Winter. And the reason mm. why I feel that way is because I feel like it was the first time I had ever seen, I you know. Rake Wallflower is a trope for a reason, right? Like, we've talked about it. We've all—anybody who's written historicals has written Rake Wallflower. Like, this is—like, it's not an uncommon trope at all. But for me, Devil in Winter turns that trope up to 25, right? Oh, God, yes. And I think what you were saying earlier about character work, right? There's just something perfect about these two. And I, I mean, I can remember, uh, usually I do not sort of lay in my bed and think to myself, like, why don't these men exist? Right? Like, that is not a problem that I have as a romance reader. Right. But man, I can, that's another book where I can see where I was when I was reading it. I can feel the feeling that I had as I was reading that book that, like, if only St. Vincent were real. Yeah. And it's like, he is a tremendous character. Yes. Yeah. That's the book for Kleypas with me where yeah. that I wish I could read again. That you and could it's read also again. possible. Look, the other piece of it is I can remember immediately finishing Devil in Winter and then buying, like yeah. getting on Amazon. This was probably one of the first Amazon orders I ever made. Yeah. Getting on Amazon and ordering like 12 Kleypas books. So it is also possible it was my first. Oh, interesting. But wow. I okay. don't I don't know that for sure. I don't know what my first Claypus book was. You know what's interesting about that is I, I'm not sure which Claypus book I I would want to read again. It might be 
it might be it might be dreaming of you for me just because it's like so primordial but you know what's interesting for me is we were talking about Cressley um is it the master is that my favorite one I don't know why I can't keep those yeah, titles that's straight. your favorite I oh my read... god that whole series too not Listen. the first one but the other two yeah. In that book, I did something I very rarely do, which is I read to the end of it and got to the end and literally went immediately right back to the beginning and started it again. I read that in a loop for like 10 days in a row. I'm not a rereader, but I do do that. And that I've always chalked up to me being a writer, too, is like I get to the end immediately. How did it happen? And then I'm like, now I need to figure out how I was made to feel that way. Yes. That is a thing I do with Lorraine Heath. All the time. Mm, yeah. Because nobody yeah. does feelings. I mean, like, like you want to talk about, yeah. like, dropping yeah. you. Uh, Gorilla Twins is another one that I feel that way about. I wish I could. That that moment, the moment of the reveal. You know I still haven't read it. Oh, my God. You know that? Well, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but the <laughs> no, moment of the reveal is really oh, great. Oh, I can only imagine. Recently, because all of these are obviously, like, we've just listed, right. like, a bunch of old books. Um which says a lot, I think, about, you know, how readers think about the books they wish they could read again for the first time, right? The ones that live well, in your mind. That's the thing, too. You don't know right away. I mean, no. like, the first time I read Marrying Winterborn, I was like, it's fine. It, I would not have predicted, right? So that's the other thing that's really interesting about romance is you can love a book, you can read it once and love it. But, like, mm-hmm. the books that stick with you, it takes a while for them to reveal themselves to you. Yeah, because you, they linger. Right. But I want to just say last year, and I put this on the best of the year list too, um, but I think a lot about Angelina Lopez's After after Hours on Milagro Street. Since then, I've thought a lot about like, yeah, it's a book that like, it's another one where I can remember where I was at a certain moment in the book. Um, I mean, obviously I read it like three months ago. I should be able to remember things. But like, I, but you know, that's not a thing. You don't like, that's not how you, how it works. I think it is doing a ton of cool stuff, that book. And it also is, like, deeply romantic. Yeah. And, again, like, what it's nailing is the feelings, the character work on the heroine is is remarkable, and just the moment, like, and it's so sexy. And I think those three things together, just, it was, it delivered on, it fired on all cylinders for me. Yeah. Okay, here's another situation under which I feel like I have that feeling of, like, I wish I could go back and read it again. So, one of the things—now, look, I—I'm always—I don't know how to say this, because I—it's I, not like a slam on anybody, right? Like, I really like people who are interested in ideas, like, right? I like reading authors who are really, like, digging into uh-huh. ideas in interesting ways, and so one of the things that I always think about a lot is Lauren, um, Christina Lauren's series that starts with Beautiful Bastard, and the next one is Beautiful Stranger. Uh-huh. And I read I read Beautiful Bastard and really loved it. He's a, like a real jerk, and I didn't care. I loved it, right? But it, when I then I started Beautiful Stranger, and it's so different, right? Uh-huh. So in the fr- and I think that was one of the things I think about a lot is we get into like a rhythm right, with an author or a series especially, right, where uh-huh. we're like, okay, I know what to expect. I know what's going to go on. I know who these, you know, I know I know what this author duo was going to deliver to me. 
Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I didn't expect this at all. Right? Like essentially right. Max and Sarah like meet in a nightclub and have like sex that night, a one night stand, and then they have this like dramatic all over town, they're banging kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so different than what you get in book one where there had instead been this like long term kind of like they knew each other forever feeling, you know, and then finally it just explodes. And I really found myself thinking like I often wish, I don't know if that makes sense, like, right, so when someone surprises me, when uh-huh. a book in a series is very different from another book or the characters who they are is different, that's one where I'm kind of like, oh, I I went in thinking X, Y, Z, and it took me a while to figure out that it was A, B, C instead. And that right. often is like a feeling where I'm kind of like, I wish I would have gone back and started it in the mindset of like, this book's going to surprise me. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's to this day why Beautiful Stranger is probably my favorite of that series. I mean, I love Max and Sarah, obviously. Like, I just right, thought it was but it's hot. The but element of surprise. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, this isn't what I expected at all. Yeah. And I think that that's what we kind of keep coming back around to is each of these books does something that, you know, Sophie Jordan always says, like, oh, the trick with romance, right, is you, is you have to write exactly the same and completely different. Yes. All the time. No right? easy task, right? And— and it's because, you know, and I think that there's there's a lot to unpack about just that whole, that one statement, right? Because uh-huh. I think so many people stop at exactly the same and they go, oh, well, the genre is not worth it, right? Because yeah. it's just the same right. every time. Right. And, but it's the completely different that keeps us coming back, right? And every once in a while you read a book and it does exactly the same completely different and it just hits it you know Mm -hmm. i think about um two other books that are on my list kate claiborne's uh luck of the draw Uh uh-huh yeah yep um kate claiborne's luck of the draw which is a perfect possibly the best fake relationship romance ever yeah um and again but like the motivation work there, the understanding of that heroine who could have been so unlikable. Like, yeah. there is so much death work in that book. Okay. And I don't just say that because Kate is my friend. Um, and uh, Sarah Mayberry's Her Best Worst Mistake, which I think is like a textbook enemies to lovers book. Yeah. Right? Perfect. And so, you know, I think... When we see it done perfectly as romance readers, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I, right. I see how this can be. And then suddenly that's the, that's the, the high we're chasing. Right, right. Choose romance over fentanyl, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I had another book in my head, and I can't remember what it is, but I'll come back to it. I'm sure it'll, hopefully it'll pop up into my brain, but... Okay, so here's the other situation under which I think I really wish I could read a book for a first time. It's not going to really make a lot of sense, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There are books that I think I'm not going to like for whatever reason, right? And usually it's not like I think I won't like. Usually it's like the trope, right? Uh Like I'm like, I'm not really a big secret baby person or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I love this book. And so for me, I, I will admit, I think I've talked about this. I was not a huge 
fan of, like, the BDSM era of romance. Like, I was, you know, it's just, yeah. I was like, it wasn't for me. Sure. And, yet, and then you kept telling me to read Alexis Hall's. Um, oh, for real. For real. And I kept putting it off because I was kind of like, I'm probably not going to like it because of the BDSM. And then I was like, oh, no, fucking this book's brilliant. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, right? it's great. And so it was like one of those things where I I feel like in that situation, the my mindset when I started reading sometimes is like, okay, well, I should read this for X, Y, Z reason, right? And instead, I'm like, oh, no, I'm reading this because this book is awesome and it's so mm-hmm. good, right? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, and that's a book that I think of often as being one where— I, you know, you for years, I mean, I only read it when we, didn't we do a deep dive of it, I think? And and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I guess, sure, I guess I have to read this. And then I loved it. And I think it was like my, you know, I just like all those like BDSM era books. And I just didn't. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't see beyond the trope, right? To like kind yes. of be like, oh no, this book's amazing. A, a thousand percent. And I think also... For me, there are a number, I've, and I've said I'm on the record many times over saying I think erotic romance does is doing more work than most other romance. Yeah. Right? And Yeah. Or at least there was a renaissance moment of erotic romance, and that was the Alexis, Alexis Hall. Um, Nikki Sloan was sort of very new on the, oh, yeah. on the scene. Sierra Simone was writing. Like, there, like, was just new. Like, there were... There were a number of very, like, new authors who were doing uh-huh. really fascinating things. Um, and I, you know, I talked about this on the Best Theater List last year, but I've been recommending everywhere Heather Guerra's preferential right. treatment. Because, again, like, super sexy, fires on all cylinders for me, and also right, is somehow doing, like, real work. Yeah. That's another one where I was so surprised by the text. Yeah. That I would love to read it again for the first time and go and immediately screenshot all of those things and send them to you and Kate again. 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 <laughs> you guys are reading this bananas just... book. <laughs> yeah. A Heart of Blood and Ashes. When I think about the kinds of books you and I have a propensity to put on our best of list, I think every year that there are a couple books that are in that, like, it surprised me. It took me... It, and it doesn't always have to be because it's, it's like literally different. taking the finger. It's just because it's different than what I thought. I mean, I talk yeah. all the time about how much I love that Jeannie Chin series. I have never been a person to really like small town romance, and that series changed me. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that's the thing, too. It's like always something like that. Run, Posey, Run is an example of a romance that really, like, I was like, okay, sure, I'll read this. And then I was like, holy yes. shit, what? what am I reading? You know right? <laughs> And also, Mia Sosa's The Worst Best Man, like, uh, a, a rom-com uh, in an age when I was very suspicious of anything that was labeled rom-com that was laugh-out-loud funny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, these these kind of, again, all these books just feel, they make you go, yeah. oh, I, like, feel a thing. Which, to be fair, is harder now. You know, we're all a little bit like COVID zombies. And yeah. And so I think we are all sort of chasing that. Yeah, that feeling. And we want to feel that feeling again. It's because it's the best feeling. It's so good. It's so good. And you don't get it. Yeah. In a ton of media. 
Right, right. And I think you that can't that's go like, and you can't go and get it as much. You know, even rom coms right. like there used to be a time when we were younger, right? You know, a rom com would come out, would go into the theaters, and you would go and you would know you were going to get that like feeling at the mm-hmm. end. You were going to feel like yeah, happy and like, weepy and delighted that these two people were together. And I mean, I don't think that I don't think movies are delivering that at the same rate anymore. And so I think it's more and more elusive that right. romance novel feeling, that I tightness think, in your chest. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, a lot of the books that make me feel that way are the ones that, like, from the jump, I think there's no way to make this work. Mm. Right? There's no way to make this work. Mm-hmm. Or it like like one. It's really interesting because I was like, bet me. Is a good example of a book. Like at the beginning, she overhears him like making a bet that you know what about her. She thinks it's right. You're just like, there's no way. I read a book, um, you know, after our category romance episode. I continue reading. I continued reading a series by um, Catherine Garbera called The Image Product. In the first, uh, in the And the first one was the one where she's, like, helping the guy who, uh, he has, like, a brewery. And it turns out that she was mean to him in college. And, you know, it's kind of like, when is he going to find out? But in the third book of the series, it was called Billionaire Fakeout. And it really did make me anxious as I was reading it because I was really looking forward to it. The heroine has been, like, with this kind of guy in the background for the past two books. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, so in book three... um, I, of course, I can't. Her name is Paisley, right? And so Paisley's been with Jack for like these couple of books. And at the beginning of book three, she finds out that Jack is actually a movie star who has been in Chicago in like making a movie and has basically been like in character with her and hasn't told her the truth. Oh, and uh. I was like, oh shit, right? Straight to jail, Jack. Exactly. Straight to jail, and she finds out that she's pregnant, and she doesn't know how to tell him. Oh my and god! <laughs> it makes it worse because her father was like an infamous con man, so she's like so. And I was like, "Now this is the shit, right?" And I'll tell you what, yeah, though, this like is, that's delicious. I it, want it was, it. and I was, but at the same time, like kind of. It goes in an unexpected way because she cannot bring herself to tell him about the baby. And so then there's this whole thing where she's like, am I now doing the thing to him that he did to me about keeping this secret? And, of course, uh-huh. I was like, no. Listen. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the whole thing about how you trust people. So, anyway, I was reading this book, and I was literally like, wow, I am so – I just – like." That feeling, any book that makes me feel that way, that's the book uh-huh. I want to read again for the first time. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, yeah, there are so many good ones. You know yeah. what? Another more recent one that I I loved was, and I would love to read it again, and I mean, it's, is Wild Rain. By Beverly Jenkins. Beverly Jenkins' is Wild Rain, where, you know, the, the heroine she's so perfect too you know the hero's a kind of city boy stuck in the snow and she (laughs) has to save him and on you know i think it's set in montana or wyoming like it's set out out west and she's so competent and he's just so gone for her yeah 
And there is such a real sense of, I mean, Bev does the job better than sure most people. <laughs> and, and so, you know, there are just magnificent moments. I think that's the thing. I think for me, and I said this when I, when I was talking about Lisa and Lorraine, but for me, there are maybe 10 authors in romance. Yeah who I have read a book by them and then immediately re- read everything else that they've written. Yes. Yeah. And they have become an autobi for me forever. Yeah. And it is often because there was one. Right. Right. And yeah. that's not to say that the others aren't terrific. It's just to say, like, you're always chasing that yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, and for a lot of those authors, it is the first one. It's whatever the first one was. You're just wedded to that, like, voice that they you just vibe. So I think about, you know, there is there is a book. There is, you know, that book for Bev. There is that book for Lisa. Yeah. That book for Lorene. That book for Cressley. You know? Yeah. The fun thing about reading a long series is, like, like I was thinking about, we did, um, and I know it's confusing to our listeners sometimes, but, like, when we finally talked about doing a book from the side changeling series like we did my favorite which i think was like book four right so it's kind of like one of the other things is like once you get into that world then you're thinking like okay which one of these is my favorite and i mean nalini singh like so a book i don't know that we've ever talked about it necessarily but she has a series of books about i don't know these like rugby players or whatever and of course now i'm gonna forget the title of this book. Why are books so hard to find? Why is it so hard to find the titles of books, everybody? But there's one where he's like the new boss. And she, and this is like a hard book to read because she had been like attacked in her home. And so uh-huh. she like thinks of herself as being like a mouse. I think it's called Rock Hard. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, this is it. And so his name's Gabriel Bishop. Her name's Charlotte. And He's like comes in and is basically like firing everybody left, right. And he's like, his job is going to be get this company together in order. Uh-huh. And he notices that she's the one who really knows everything that's going on. And she, but you're kind of like, how could someone who has been so like harmed by the world literally is so traumatized by what she went through stand up to this man who is just like a, like a bull, like, right? And yet they are perfect for each other, but it was definitely one of those books where I started reading it and was like, how are you going to make this happen? And I remember I was listening to this book. We were on like a road trip or something, and I was just like listening to it in my AirPods. And when I got to wherever we were going, I had to download the book to read it in E because I couldn't stand to wait. I was yeah. like, I, I have to know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. I'm going to sit at this fucking volleyball tournament in St. Louis and read this book on my phone. <laughs> Because I got to know. Got to know what's going to happen. And that, I think, is the other thing is, oh, just how's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? And then what's really remarkable, and I know that you have a, you and I both have like a slow burn. We it It's hard, right? It's a hard yeah. sell for us, the slow burn. Yes. Yeah. And I just recently, whatever, on Instagram was talking about uh, Rachel Higginson's The Opposite of You, which we talked about in Chef, uh-huh. in our Chef Romance episode. Did we do Chef Romances? I don't know. I Food talked trucks, about Chef Romances. Chefs, you whatever. talked about. Yep. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> you were not talking about Chef Romances. You were like, <laughs> in this book, there is a restaurant. They go out to dinner. Right. <laughs> and this is, I was reminded that this book really 
I this is a book I have reread many times, and like yeah. brand, there's a lot of food in this book. So if you are if that turn if that is not of interest to you, you need to just walk away from this one. But um, it is such a slow burn, and their romance is so deftly threaded through the food. Yeah, that it is. I mean, it is an example of a book where like. The work of the writing of the fossils, right, was so complex so that when it came to the end and they were, it was so obvious that they were gone for each other, you, it was another moment where you, if you went back, it was all there. The breadcrumbs were all there. Yeah. Yeah. You you didn't see them in the moment. And it is, I mean, it's, it's a, Really, really beautiful book. It's long. It's a slow burn. Yeah. Um, and so if those things turn you off, it's not for you, but that's another one that... Listen, it was a great book, and you can make that go a little faster if, if like me, you're willing to skim over a lot of descriptions of shopping for produce and such. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, here's... But here's the sell on that book. I mean, like, I just probably gave... I gave it the absolute wrong book talk because the actual... Sell That's great. that book is that she has a food truck <laughs> yes. and is parked in the parking lot on the other side of the street from his Michelin star restaurant. And yeah. every day he comes to the food truck, gets lunch from her, and then sends her and then like critiques on it. her oh, food yeah. and is like, Why is salt your enemy? And everyone, you and her, both want to punch him in the face. Yeah, but in that and way, then, that, like later, you're and gonna then fall she in bans love with him from his food from her food truck, and she's like, "I will never serve you a meal again." <laughs> and he like starts sending sending like, eyes in to get it is food amazing. He's it really is. with her. Like it's yeah. so great. Um, and that's the other thing. Like I love, I love it when a when a writer really has like a creative idea like that, where yeah. it's like ideas, ideas. You, I mean, sometimes people just have an idea, and you're like, "That is the greatest idea." And then these books are, they've had the idea, and then they've executed on the idea. And it's, the two have matched up. And that's, that's great. Romance is unmatched, Sarah. It is unmatched. Y'all, I told Jen the plot of a book that I had heard about earlier before we started recording, and that, and then we just did like five minutes of why is romance so great. Ugh. And then we decided, here's the thing. If people are like, that plot sounds silly, they're silly, <laughs> and they're not fun, and you shouldn't invite them to parties. Faded Mates Live, everybody. Just get ready. We're going to talk about... Se- it's never serious. <laughs> oh, God, no. I'm so excited about Faded Mates Live. I'm literally, like, vibrating with energy, and it's still a month away. All right, everybody. I know that was like a random banter-filled episode with books we just wanted to talk about, I guess. That's what happens when Sarah's on deadline, but it doesn't matter because next week we will be back, I swear to God, with a very serious, very well-organized, well, sure, maybe whatever, we're going to do our best, interstitial. We We've, like, spent a little time thinking about it. But, hey, yeah. as Jen likes to say, this podcast is free. This podcast so. is free. That's true. But listen, All right. this is a great group of books. You can't go wrong with any of the ones that we've listed. Yeah. And tell us about your books that you wish you could read again for the first time. Like, it's the best feeling. And then maybe someone will read it for the first time, and you can have the secondhand joy of watching them do it. If you read any of these books for the oh. first time, yes, please take good notes. 
Yes. And then Instagram or tweet us if yes. you can still get on Twitter. I don't know. Who the hell knows what's, what's going happening on there. over there? I'm not over there anymore. It's it's like a sinking ship and I'm 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 a rat still on the boat, but I'm considering I it's bad. It's I bad. Mean, I'm sad about it. Read Heather Garris preferential treatment everyone and learn about billionaires all right everybody well <laughs> and there we go have a great one we want to hear about the books you wish you could read them for the first time tell us about it maybe we can read them for the first time oh and yeah we'll... i want to read something for the first time oh it's the best jana goes wild i'm gonna download it right now i'm gonna no i'm gonna download it in two days yes you're not gonna download all right, right everyone now. send good thoughts to me <laughs> tommy go boom just out here blowing things up All right. right. Thanks to Danny Collins, author of The Prospector's Only Prospect, which releases March 28th, and to Carly Lane, author of A Regency Guide to Modern Life, available right now wherever you get your books. On March 24th, we will be in Brooklyn, New York at Fade of Mates Live with Adriana Herrera, Andy Christopher, Joanna Shoup, Mila Finelli, and Tessa Bailey. You won't want to miss it. It is going to be so much fun. It is the perfect opportunity for you to come and hang out with other romance lovers. Bring your friends. Make a weekend of it. We can't wait to see you. You'll find ticket information and information about all the authors at fatedmates.net slash live. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week.